So I want to start off with some, maybe some things that we commonly get offended by. And I'll be honest with you, some of the things I'm going to start off with, they're not too serious, but I just want to show you how easily we're offended, right? Um, I don't know if you're like me, but does anybody just, like, you just love to sit in traffic? Anybody just love, like, sitting in traffic? I hate sitting in traffic. Um, if you've ever got the pleasure to ride in my car, it's kind of like a roller coaster. You probably think you're going to die while I'm driving. That's just how I drive. Um, so all the people that have rode with me before shaking in their heads, like, yes, it feels like I'm going to die every time I get in the car with you. But um, I drive a little crazy um, because I, I, I hate waiting. Now, I don't know about you guys, but one of the things that often offends me on the road is, have you ever made that, like, nice gesture before? You you come to maybe an intersection, and you see somebody in the gas station, and it looks like they've been waiting to get out on the road for at least a, you know, a long time, and you kind of motion to them, hey, come on out. And then all of a sudden, it's not one person that comes out. It's like the whole gas station starts coming out. And all of a sudden, you're like, I'm, I'm not letting the zoo out. I'm letting this one person right here come out. And now everybody's coming out. And you don't even realize it, but now you're offended at that one person that just let everybody else out, right? And we don't realize it, but maybe that small, simple, little offense, we hold on to that. And if you're not careful, it can actually affect your day. Has anybody ever gone out, maybe it's 12 o'clock, it's lunch, it's 1 o'clock, and you're, you're trying to diagnose, you're trying to figure out, like, why am I so frustrated today? I don't know why. And the truth is, sometimes it's maybe because you got offended early in the day, and you didn't realize that you're carrying that around for the rest of the day. Because I don't know if you realize this or not, but offense tends to affect your mood. You ever look at a person and say, man, are you offended? No, I'm not offended. Man, your face is saying a completely different story, right? But maybe, maybe you get on Facebook and maybe you have a family member that comments on something and they say something about so-and-so's hair and then you comment about it and then they comment back and it becomes this huge explosion and all of a sudden you're like, I'm so offended. I'm so offended. There's offense after offense after offense. It's so easy to get offended. We live in such a politically correct generation where nobody wants to offend anymore, anyone anymore, and the result of that, what ends up happening is, is nobody tells the truth anymore, right? So nobody says the truth about anything because we're so scared that, hey, I'm going to hurt this person's feelings. So rather than coming to that brother, coming to that sister, coming to the husband, coming to the wife in love saying, hey, listen, I don't want to offend you, but I love you so much. I'm going to do this as graciously as I possibly can, but I need to tell you the truth in this moment. You have a gigantic booger on your nose and you need to wipe it off, right? But oftentimes that's what happens. We end up caring so much about that person's emotions and how they're going to react that we end up refraining from telling that person the truth, the truth that they desperately need to hear. So here's the question that I want to pose this morning. Why is it that it's so easy for us to get offended? Why is it that it's so easy for us to get offended? Here's the truth. Our insecure egos want to be right and we want to win, but for us to be right, someone else has to be wrong. (laughs) So for us to be right, watch this, someone else has to be wrong. And so most of us, we wake up in the morning and it's, you see the world through your lenses, right? Whatever you're dealing with in life, you see the world through those lenses. So if you're dealing with suffering right now, if you're in a season where it's, it's difficult, you see the world through those lenses. If you're dealing with financial difficulty right now, you see the world 
through those lenses. If you're going through a strained marriage right now, you see the world through those lenses. And at the end of the day, for someone else to be, or for you to be right, someone else has to be wrong. And oftentimes, this is why we find ourselves running into offense over and over and over again. Another way to say it would be this, for us to win, someone else has to lose. How many of you guys, like, just you, like, raise your hand if you're like, man, I just love the feeling of losing. (laughs) Anybody? Like, nobody likes to lose. Everybody wants to be right. It's not just in a sport. It's not just in a competition, even in an argument. So, 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 husbands, wives, you will understand this example. Have you ever been in an argument with your spouse, and all of a sudden, about 30 minutes in, you forget what you're arguing about, but you're like, I'm not giving up because I'm not losing this argument. (laughs) Anybody know what you're talking about? Like, I'm going to keep arguing, and this is the most senseless argument that has ever taken place, but we're going to keep going because I want to be the one that's like, "Mm, that's right, (laughs) I won that argument, right? And at the end of the day, it's because we want to be right, we hate being wrong. Or, Some of us constantly find ourselves being offended because here's the truth. We're looking for ways and people to offend us. It's like we're constantly scanning and we're constantly have our radars up and it's just like we're we're waiting for someone to offend us. The way that this often happens is we sit around with a group of people who are usually offended about a, a ton of other things and we sit around and we talk about all the things that we're all offended at, right? So if you notice something, people that are often offended, they gravitate towards friends that are often offended. And the reason that they never get healed from that offense because they never sit around talking about the solutions, they just sit around talking about how offended they are, right? So hurt, watch this, hurt people gravitate towards hurt people. Offended people gravitate towards offended people. It's just a natural thing that we do because sometimes we want that person just to, we, want, we don't want somebody to tell us the truth. We just want to throw up on somebody and want to feel good about venting about whatever we need to vent about. But here's the truth. We are fully convinced that our egos or our pride knows what's best for us. We get so easily offended because at the end of the day, we feel that it's all about us and how we emotionally feel without thinking about the other person. So watch what the scripture says. Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. This is a difficult scripture. It's saying it is to your, some translations say, it is to your benefit to overlook an offense. But here's the truth. Our world is quick to judge, quick to call a foul, quick to be offended, but we're very, very, very slow to overlook an offense, right? Now, when I say to overlook an offense, I'm not saying pretend that it never happened, okay? So don't hear me wrong this morning. If somebody has wronged you, I'm not just saying, you know, forget about it, just move on. That's not what I'm talking about. What the scriptures are saying when they say overlook it, that you're, and we'll get into this in a moment, that you're actually looking at that person and, hey, why did they say that to me? And you begin to judge their intentions. And as I said earlier, you tend to look through the world with a certain set of lenses. And so maybe you look at that person and, hey, maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe they said that because maybe they just experienced tragedy and they don't really know how to deal with their emotions right now. And so they just vomited some words at me. And maybe it wasn't intentionally to hurt me, but because they don't know how to process their own emotions right now, you begin to give that person the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they didn't really 
want to offend me. That is overlooking an offense, that you look at that person, and instead of judging them sometimes by the words that they're saying, that you judge them by their intentions. Meaning this, I have said some awful things to my wife that I definitely regret before. You know, in an argument, you say something, you get frustrated, you get mad, and it, it's offensive. But at the end of the day, my wife and I, we strive to look at each other to say, hey, I know that your intentions, at the end of the day, you love me, and you don't deep down, you don't want to intentionally hurt me. You're not, you don't wake up in the morning, you're like, how can I just hurt Claire today? <laughs> how can I make her feel so horrible today? No, nobody wakes up like that. That's not your intentions. But maybe through a series of circumstances, a series of events that has taken place, over time, that person ends up offending you based on the things that are going on in their own life. But here's the truth. When it says it's to your benefit to overlook an offense, let me put it another way. Passing over an offense is what some would like to call gaining spiritual altitude. Meaning this, I could stay down here and mope, mope and complain, but as Proverbs says, it is to my glory to overlook an offense. So here's this, what this means to overlook an offense. You gain spiritual altitude. You get closer in, in maturity and connected with Jesus when you say, look, I'm going to rise above just moping and being offended in this moment. I'm going to rise above that, and I'm going to choose to see what God sees about me instead in that moment, and I'm going to gain some spiritual altitude rather than choosing to remain offended. Because the truth is, you and I have much more important things to worry about than constantly being offended, don't we? And the truth is, if we're being honest with ourselves, some of us are stuck in our maturing relationship with Christ because we're holding on to an offense. Have you ever asked yourself the question, man, why, why am I still at this place in my relationship with Jesus? Why can't I move forward? Why don't I feel any closer to Jesus than I did two years ago? Why do I constantly feel stuck? Is it possible that we're offended? Why is it that so many people, I mean, you have people that jump from church to church to church to church to church or from friends to friends to friends to friends to friends. And oftentimes they blame it on, well, I just, it was a bad set of friends or it was a bad church or it was a bad relationship. At the end of the day, you're going to have to look at yourself and say, there's one common denominator in all of this and it's me. It's me. Ultimately, I'm the one that is causing the problem. And so what God is calling us to do today is to look internally. Is there anything that I'm holding on to? Am I holding on to some kind of offense that I need to overlook? Now, some of you are in here saying, okay, Pastor Zach, that sounds great, but you don't understand what's been done to me. You don't understand, like, how deeply someone has offended me or how deeply someone has hurt me. Listen to what the scriptures say in Romans 13, 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Ultimately, what the scripture is saying, hey, don't let your ego go to your head. Don't let what you feel like you're dealing with be more important than anything else in your life that you begin to drown out all other issues of your life. So here's what happens oftentimes in offense, is it becomes the sole thing that we focus on and that we fail to forget that there's all these other things in life going on around us that we need to take care of, that we need to do, that life still goes on even in the middle of offense. That's why the scriptures tell us to overlook an offense. So what I want to do this morning is I want to give you three things, three practical things that will help you to overlook or move past 
that offense. I don't want to, it's one thing for me to get up here and just say, hey, overlook it, get over it. That's not what God wants you to do. There, it is a process. Okay, so hopefully we can kind of give you three things and we can move past it. So number one, I'll give others the benefit of the doubt. I'll give others the benefit of the doubt. So this means that when somebody says something, when somebody comments on something, when somebody makes a comment about something that offends you, as I said earlier, you choose to put on a different set of lenses. Hey, let me step into their shoes for a moment. What are their intentions behind what they're actually saying? Do they really want to hurt me in this moment? Or at the end of the day, can we learn to forgive people because Jesus has forgiven us of so much? You say, well, how can I forgive that person? When you look at it and we look at what Jesus has actually forgiven us of, we can forgive them of anything. Because ultimately when we look at our own lives and, and, and the, the evil that we have done towards other people and Jesus still looks down on us and he doesn't label us for anything that we've done and he continues to forgive us even when we continue to ask for it, even when we continue to sin, even when we continue to blow it, he continues to forgive, he continues to pour out grace and mercy upon our lives and that's why we can learn to forgive other people. Ephesians 4.2 puts it this way, always be humble and gentle be patient with each other, making, watch this, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So here's what Paul's saying in Ephesians. We're all humans, and we need to learn to give each other grace to fail. So let me give you an example on how this played out. The other day, I come home um, from a long day of work. I hadn't seen my kids all day. I left early, had a meeting early, and I was gone all day. And I opened the door, and my second son, Isaac, who is six years old, as soon as I open the door, they hear my car pull up, and he's waiting for me at the door, tears in his eyes, crying, and he's, I could tell he's nervous, he's scared, he doesn't, and, you know, he's like, Dad, I need to tell you something, and I'm like, man, okay, what's, what's going on, buddy, and he said, um, I was, in, <laughs> Isaac has, he's just clumsy, he's our clumsy one, so he runs a little funny, he's always tripping over something, but we have two iPads in our house, and every now and then we'll let them play games on the iPad, and he said he was running, and apparently one of the iPads fell on the floor, and he stepped on the iPad, broke the iPad, cracked the screen, and he's thinking, man, when I get home, dad is going to give it to me, right? Because here's this iPad that costs money, all this kind of stuff, and I, I, I remember I watched his facial expression go from fear, terror, dad is going to kill me for breaking the iPad. And I, I remember just looking at him as calm as I could be and say, hey, bud, it's an iPad. It's not more important than you. Boom. His facial expression completely changed. He was completely fine. Goes back to playing with the siblings. And here's what this shows in that moment. Buddy, you're human. It's okay. Like, iPads are going to drop. We're going to step on them. A piece of technology is not more important than you. And you can take that example, and you should be able to relate that in other aspects of your life, that ultimately, at the end of the day, that God is calling us to give each and every person the benefit of the doubt, that we all are human, and we all are going to screw up. And I think sometimes, especially in relationships, we, we expect perfection from our spouse. You love me. You're supposed to do this. This is how you're supposed to act. This is how you're supposed to treat me. This is what's supposed to happen. This is how things need to be. And the truth is, that's just not how it's going to happen. It's the whole reason that Jesus sent, was sent to the cross to die for us, because he knew that we were going to make mistakes and fail. 
And ultimately, that price covers our failures. We've got to learn to give each other the benefit of the doubt. Let me say it a different way. We often judge others by their actions, but judge ourselves by our intentions. So here's what this looks like. When your wife blows it or your husband blows it, it's immediate. I can't believe you did this. It's an argument. It's a fence that blows up. Well, when you blow it, it's like, babe, please, mercy, grace, give me mercy, right? So we look at that other person, we judge them by their actions, but we want people to judge us by our intentions, and we have to judge other people by the same way that we want other people to judge us. So at the end of the day, man, I didn't mean to blow up on you. I didn't mean to say those words. Even as they were coming out of my mouth, I wanted to take them back. (laughs) At the end of the day, we've got to learn to judge people not just by their actions, but by their intentions, When someone is short with you, maybe they're having a horrible day or maybe one of their kids is raising hell and it's stressing them out and the mom is to her max and you find her in Walmart and another person's like, hey, and they want to chat and you're like, I just need to get out of here. (laughs) I just need to go. I just need to get out of here. Maybe you're offended because they didn't talk to you, but maybe in the back of their mind, they have been wrangling kids all day and they just need to go home and they need to take a nap. We've got to learn to judge people by their intentions, and sometimes we've got to learn to pick up a different set of lenses and put them on and view other people maybe through the lenses that they're walking through right now, and that's difficult for us. The truth is maybe their bad mood, (laughs) that doesn't sound good, Uh, maybe maybe their bad mood is not about their circumstances. Maybe, maybe their bad mood right now, maybe the way that they're treating you right now is not because they're offended at you or they're frustrated at you. Maybe it's because they've had a rough week. You ever run into somebody and you're like, man, something is wrong with them. Some, something's off, something's not right, something doesn't feel right. And the truth is, maybe we don't know, but maybe the, the past three days before, maybe they were chasing a kid that's been strung out on drugs and they've been going around trying to find that kid. We never know what's going on behind closed doors. We never know. We've got to learn to give people the benefit of the doubt. If you want to save yourself from always being offended, you have to learn to give each other the benefit of the doubt. You just have to. Remember this. Hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. If you know someone who is hurting, it's much easier to have compassion on them rather than to be offended by them. So maybe someone said something demeaning to you, but if you take a moment to actually find out the story, the backstory that's really going on in their life right now, rather than you being offended by that moment or by that action or by that comment, you can dive into their story and just say, man, I mean, they're just, it's been a rough week for them. You know, maybe, maybe they lost a spouse. Maybe they lost a child. Maybe, it's, maybe they lost a job. Maybe they have all this financial pressure weighing down on their shoulders, and they've got all these things going on. It's leaning into someone else's story. Number two. So number one, I'll give, other, I'll give others the benefit of the doubt. Number two, I will not label other people. I will not label other people. Can you imagine if God labeled us? <laughs> Imagine if God isolated certain events in our past and labeled us based on those events. Imagine it. Imagine if you you were a jerk in a moment and you treated your wife the way that you shouldn't and God said, okay, I'm labeling you as a jerk. (laughs) 
Or imagine if you worked as hard as you possibly could and you failed at something. Man, you gave it everything that you have. You put all of your time, all of your energy, all your effort, and you fail. And then God labels you as a failure. What if God labeled us based on the things that we have done? But the truth is, God doesn't. The truth is, God forgives us and gives us another chance over and over and over and over and over and over again. At a very wise man, actually some of you know who he is, Pastor Jacob, my pastor, um, probably about a year ago, for those of you that know the story, my, my brother's dealt with different things in his life, and there was a season in his life where um, I was very instrumental in trying to help him get on the right track and on the right path, and I remember just feeling so helpless, and I finally got to the place where I was just like, man, I'm done. <laughs> I can't help him anymore. Uh, I can't call him anymore. I feel like everything that I've done to try to help him, nothing works, and I remember after having that thought process, there was probably about two months where I didn't really talk to him. I didn't really call him unless he called me. Um, it was just a season of like, I feel like nothing is going to happen. He's just always going to take the wrong turn. He's always going to take the, the path that is not good. And I remember having this conversation with Pastor Jacob, just going, man, look, it's been seven years that I've tried to help him walk through different things. He's gone to counselors. My parents have tried to help. All these kind of things. It's been seven years, Pastor Jacob. I feel like it, it'd be to my benefit right now just to back away. I don't need to help him. And he goes, hey, tell me one time in your life that God ever backed away from leaning in on you. And it was immediate, like, wow. When you want to give up on other people because you label them, because, hey, they, well, they've failed me in the past. They've hurt me in the past. Well, they've done this to me in the past. So they're going to do it again. Imagine if the same labels that we put on other people, God placed on us. And the truth is, at the end of the day, if we look at it from a scriptural point, God never gives up on us, ever. There's never a single point in your life where you have gone too far that God says, it's over, can't help you. Every single time that you want to return back to the faith, every single time that you want to come back to the Father, he's always there with open arms, ready to receive you, ready to accept you, no labels attached. It's what I love about the story of the prodigal son. When he finally returns home, the father does not ever ask a single question. Son, where have you been and what have you done with my money? All he does is he turns around to everybody else and he says, hey, my son's home, let's throw a party, let's celebrate. And that's what Jesus does. Every single time you choose to come back home, he celebrates, he throws a party, he's excited that you're home. But because we can't get to that place sometimes because we have labeled other people, Maybe you've labeled your spouse. Failure. You're going to do it again. It's going to happen again. Maybe you place a label on them as, man, this is just not going to be able to happen for us. And because of that label, ultimately you don't realize that that label is an offense that you can't get past. That label has become an offense that has welled so deep inside of us that we can't move beyond it. And we can't move to the next space that we need to be in the place that God actually wants us to be. We're so quick to label others that we begin to discount what God could actually do through that person. <laughs> the thing that I love about Jesus is when he was choosing his disciples, if he was going to label people, he would not have chosen any of them. 
Peter was a fisherman who was probably about 17, 16, 17. How many of you guys have teenagers in here? If somebody were to come to you and say, hey, we want to we take your teenager for three years and he's going to change the world, you'd be like, you don't, my teenager is like addicted to Netflix and plays the iPad all day and sits around playing Xbox. This dude ain't doing nothing, <laughs> right? That's Peter. <laughs> That's some of the disciples. Those are some of the guys that Jesus is saying, no, I want to change the world with these guys right here. It'd be the equivalent of your teenager that you're raising right now in your home. Be like, there's no way. Jesus never labeled anyone. So here's a simple question God's not labeling you, so why are we doing it to other people? So why are we doing it to other people? Here's the truth we're doing it to other people because we want to remain, we want to keep our ego intact. We, we do it to other people because we want to keep our pride intact. Oftentimes, for many of us, a lot of times it's men, but women do it too. Oftentimes, the reason you can't get over an offense because your pride is more important than getting over an offense. At the end of the day, I, I said this to our lead team the other night. I was reading the scripture in Galatians chapter 6. I said, the enemy does his greatest work in the middle of our pride. The enemy does the greatest destruction when we hold on to pride. The enemy does his greatest destruction when we hold on to labels. The enemy does his greatest destruction when we continue to not give other people the benefit of the doubt. You can look at a series of your life and you can look at all the good friends that maybe are no longer in your life that probably still could be in your life, but you never got over an offense. Maybe, maybe there's a mom, maybe there's a dad, maybe there's a brother, maybe there's a sister that you haven't talked to in years in a relationship that has dissipated all over an offense. And at the end of the day, it's because we label that person. Well, that person's always going to be like that. But at the end of the day, Jesus never does that to us. Never. Number three, I'll forgive as I've been forgiven. I'll forgive as I've been forgiven. Colossians 3.13 puts it like this. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Anyone. Yeah, but God, my uncle. <laughs> anyone. Forgive anyone who offends you. Now, this text is extremely bold and clear. It doesn't just say, hey, offend some of the, I mean, forgive some of those that have offended you. It says, anyone who has offended you, forgive those people. Now, here's the truth. It's easy to forgive the small offense, right? It's easy to forgive the person that cut you off in traffic because you get over it the next day. It's easy to forgive. Maybe you got in an argument and it didn't go so well and maybe you said some things that you regret and, and you can make up and you can say sorry and you get over the offense. Some of you are the reason that we're holding on to it and, and, and I want to be sensitive as I talk about this, but some of us, the truth is it's not just an argument. It's not just somebody that cut in front of traffic. For some of us, you, you've been abused. For some of you, you've been molested, you've been raped. For some of you, maybe there's been a divorce, maybe there's been adultery, maybe there's been serious things that have happened, and you say, well, God, how do I forgive those things? How do I forgive the serious offenses? Because we look at the small offenses, and we can say, well, those are easy to forgive, right? We begin to feel justified in our offense, because at the end of the day, that offense is so big, right? 
So we justify it. Well, hold on. I have a moment to feel offended. I have a moment because this is, this is so grievous to me. This is so horrible. I can hold on to this offense. And then we look at scriptures like Colossians 3.13 and we say things, well, do I really have to forgive such horrific things that have been done to me? I want you to, to, to pay attention to this. This is Jesus' words that I'm about to read. This is Jesus talking. This is not Paul. This is not Peter. This is not Matthew. This is not a disciple. This is Jesus. Matthew chapter 6. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Pay attention to verse 15. But if you do not forgive men of their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's a straight for, like, I don't, I don't need to explain that verse to you. We don't need to dive in and say, well, this is what Jesus is saying. This is what this word means in the Hebrew. It is very clear. So clear but if we do not forgive men of their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive you of your sins. This is an incredibly sobering text. It's one of those verses where sometimes you read the Bible and you're just going, God, can we just edit that one out? <laughs> I'll be honest with you. There's going to be pieces in the scriptures that you're going to read and you're not going to like it. I'll give you a little history lesson. Thomas Jefferson, many of you may know this or maybe you don't. He was a Christian or so that he claimed to be, um, loved the Bible, just didn't like every part in it. So he actually had a, a person go in and edit out all the verses that he did not like and then rebound a Bible for him so that he could read it without feeling convicted. <laughs> and, and here's the truth. Oftentimes, we may not take it to that extreme, but we do the same thing. I don't, I'm so, God, I'm so offended. I don't like that verse. I don't like that text. I don't like the truth that that person is telling me. That's why we live in a society today of people that have their heads stuck in the sand and they don't know what direction to go because we're not speaking the truth anymore. And you have people speaking the truth, but they do it so horribly and out of context and not in love <laughs> that it's ultimately it's more hurtful than anything. I think this one of this verse, you know, forget. I mean, it haunts me more than any other verse in the scriptures because the truth is, how do you forgive abuse? How do you forgive betrayal? How do you forgive someone that has done something to you that seems unforgivable? Let me show you in Ephesians four thirty-two. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. So we can forgive others of even the most horrific things that they have done to us because Jesus, every single day, forgives us of every wrong error, every wrongdoing that we have ever done to him. Every time that we have said and cried out to the heavens, God, this is the last time that I will do this. And when you still ask for forgiveness, God forgives you. When we look at our life and we're, we, we feel so much shame and so much regret for the things that we've done, God continues to pour out his grace. God continues to pour out his mercy. And the truth is, the closer you get to God, forgiveness will become more of a reality. The reason, I'll be honest with you, the reason that forgiveness for some of us seems so unattainable is because we're so distant from Jesus. We don't, we don't have a connection with him. We don't have a relationship with him. Now, let me stop for a second and speak to you. 
if, if you're in here this morning and you're saying, man, I, I have had something horrible done to me, and you're reading the scriptures, Pastor, but they're not doing anything for me, like, what do I do? Here's the truth. Forgiveness is not an emotion, it's a choice. It's not an emotion, it's a choice. And sometimes it is a process. So, so here's what I mean by this. You can forgive, when you say that you forgive that person, you need to mean it. I tr- God, help me to truly forgive that person. But also, when you say that, you also have to understand that you're entering into a process. Maybe every day you have to remind yourself until it actually seeps into your soul, I forgive this person, I forgive this person, I forgive this. I can forgive this person because of what God has forgiven me of. I can forgive this person. I'll tell you this. At the end of the day, redemption is a whole lot better than you walking away from something. Man, I, 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 I look today and I see some of the strongest marriages, and you would look at them and go, man, there, there's no way. How did they make it? Forgiveness. Ultimately, it came down to the fact that two people were able to see, man, God has forgiven me of so much so I can forgive that person of what they've done to me. And listen, it is a choice. And oftentimes, I think sometimes we gauge our spirituality and how we're doing in certain things by our emotions. If you're looking at forgiveness and even love as an emotion, it's going to fail you. <laughs> There's going, you're going to forgive that person and you're going to wake up, you know, two weeks from now and remember what they've done to you and you're going to have to make that choice again until that choice begins to seep down into your soul until it's something that actually is playing out in your life. Sometimes it's a daily choice. Sometimes it's a choice every single minute, every single second of the day until it seeps in. In the Old Testament, when people were forgiven by sacrificing, they were forgiven by sacrificing an animal on the altar, shedding blood. And they would go paint that blood over their doorstep. They would kill an animal, and because of that sacrifice, because that animal died, God accepted their sacrifice, and he was able to forgive them of their sins. But the greatest news on the face of the earth is today we don't have to go out and sacrifice an animal. That Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice, that he sacrificed himself so that we could walk in forgiveness, so that we could let go of offenses, so that it is to our benefit to overlook an offense. As I said earlier, hurt people hurt people, but the best news is forgiven people forgive people. When you've been forgiven, of, when that reality seeps down into your heart that Jesus has forgiven me of so much, I can forgive other people. I can forgive other people because I have been forgiven of so much. The truth is, when you understand that you've been forgiven of so much, you lay down your right to be offended because it's what Jesus did. <laughs> you realize at the end of the day, when Jesus went to the cross, he had every reason not to die. He had every reason to be so offended. The very people that he's saving, going to the cross to save, to make a way to heaven, to the Father, to salvation— spitting on him, hitting him, stabbing him, poking him, beating him, mocking him. He had every right to hold on to offense. But he goes, you know what? I'm choosing to give these people the benefit of the doubt that through my sacrifice, they'll be able to understand at the end of the day what I'm doing and why they need it. And ultimately, 
at the end of the day, when we understand this great truth, the more that you experience God's grace, the more that you experience that you have been forgiven of so much, you can finally get to the place where you can overlook an offense and you can forgive other people. Let me close with this. I know that there's some people in here today. Maybe by reading some of the scriptures, maybe by some of the points, maybe by just sitting in here listening to the sermon, maybe you feel like you know what needs to happen, but you don't feel like you possess the strength to do it. Because here's the thing, as Christians, I find that happens so many times. We're really good at being convicted of things. We're just really terrible at acting on those things. Because the truth is, to act on them, it's going to hurt. (laughs) It's going to take a process. It's going to take some work. And sometimes it's just too painful. But the truth is, this is why a community of believers is so important. This is why church and life groups and community is so important. Because the truth is you can't do it by yourself. The truth is you need other people to help you walk through this process. And the most beautiful thing in the world at the end of the day is when you have other people help you walk through that process, that you're gonna find that you're not the only one going through what you're going through. And that somebody else has walked right there in your shoes and maybe they know how to get you to the next season of life where you need to be at. It's beautiful. Community is amazing. God created it so that we could grow, so that we can mature in our faith. And I just want to encourage you as I close out this message that if you're not in a life group, man, find one. If you go online, occonnect.com, you can find out all the groups, where they meet, what time they meet, where they meet, all that kind of stuff. If you have any questions about it, man, shoot us a message on Facebook or grab one of our leaders and we'll definitely get you connected in that but it's so instrumental to you, especially if you're dealing with a great offense. If you want to move past that, you need to link up with other people. You need to link up with other people. There's a story in the Old Testament when Jesus told, or God told Moses, he said, listen, as long as you hold up your arms, he said, I will allow the army to keep winning. He had to stand up on a hill and hold his arms up. And it says when he got so weak and so tired where he couldn't hold his arms up anymore that he called on some other men and they literally held his arms up for him. That's what the body of Christ is like. That's when you're struggling with offense, that's what it should look like. I don't think I can do this. I don't have any strength left. I don't know if I can continue. I don't know if I can go on. I don't know if I can persevere. Sometimes you need other people to hold you up. 